Winner, winner, chicken dinner! Four! You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello and welcome back to the Action Network podcast. This, of course, is the Golf Edition. I'm your host, Peter Jennings, and as always, joined by Jason Sobel. And Jason, we are coming off an epic week at Riviera. We were both there. I had some glory and some absolute utter embarrassment. How was your week at Riv? My week was fine, but we got to talk about your week, which wasn't as long as mine, but might have felt that way on the back nine. It felt felt way longer than yours, I'm sure. Uh, No, dude, as I told you on the pod last week, don't worry about your golf. Nobody cares how a pro-am competitor plays in the pro-am. So just you played really well in the front. I came out at the turn, and then all of a sudden you started playing poorly, and I take the full blame. It was on me. You're too kind of uh, a podcast host here for me. It was super fun, and uh, I'll get into it. The the pairings dinner was great. Uh, Tiger gave uh, some fun words, and, you know, you had a bunch of people there. I thought it was really well done. You know, people were sweating who they were going to get paired with. And uh, obviously knew who I was getting paired with coming in. And to see the group with Condoleezza Rice, or Dr. Rice, I should say, and Mr. Chung, uh, pretty pretty ridiculous. Uh, the guys sitting at our table with Ashley and I actually were like, who the hell is this Peter Jennings guy? <laughs> and my wife goes, oh, he's a real dick. And they're like, really? And they're like, oh, no, he's my husband. He's sitting right there. So that was fun. And that's when, you know, obviously I was getting really nervous. And the hardest part about the whole thing for me is we uh, got delayed like five hours coming in from Denver Monday night. So I got very little sleep Tuesday. And then, of course, Tiger tees off first on Wednesday morning. So we teed off at 640. I didn't sleep like at all the night before and uh, get there and it's pitch black. So have you done any of those uh, pairings dinners or have you been at those events before? No, I've not played a pro-am. I've not gotten the invite. In fact, I, I've probably got blackballed for more pro-ams than I've gotten invited uh, to. No, so, no media ever at these uh, these pairing dinners? Uh, no, they, they want nothing to do with me. Trust me. Oh, so, come on. You're a star. Uh, yeah, your wife told me that you got no sleep on Tuesday night going into Wednesday, which I, I probably knew already, but it was good to get the confirmation. I, I will say this much. If someone said to you, hey, you're going to play with an executive from Genesis, guy's a, a big deal. You'd be like, all right, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous about that. You know, this guy, I gotta impress this guy a little bit. They said, then someone said, oh, and by the way, Condoleezza Rice is in this foursome as well. You go, oh my god, like I now I'm like really, I was a little nervous. Now I'm like really nervous. Like this is a big deal. I'm playing with Condoleezza Rice, and then someone said, oh, oh, and just one other thing, one other like little small detail that we just want to go over. By the way. Tiger Woods is also playing in the foursome as well. Yeah. And that's, I, I, I totally get where you're coming from. You played great on the front. You didn't play so well in the back, but dude, uh, there are people out there who are good golfers who wouldn't have gotten the ball airborne the entire day. So kudos to yeah, you. Yeah. And honestly, it was, it's funny that the most nervous I was for sure was the first tee, which, you know, it, it's a beautiful setting. The sun's rising and, you know, you're at the top there at Riv going into that par five and, uh, you know, everyone hit a great tee shot off the bat. All right, Mr. Chung and, and Tiger did. I had a pretty good tee shot, probably like a 6 out of 10. Started it in the middle of the fairway, just drew over to the left rough, but I at least hit it solid, got it in the air. And then the most nerve-wracking shot relative, well, I'd say one of the two or three most nerve-wracking shots was the next one because I had no idea what to expect in terms of uh, just like the pace of play and, and what you're doing. And Tiger and then Tiger striped his, he's at the very end of the fairway. 
So I'm left in the rough and he's like, whatever, 30 yards in front of me in the middle of the fairway. And his whole entourage is just standing there. And of course I'm trying to hit that same area. Like I'm trying to, you know, I'm hit, I had a five wood in hand. I was just going to like lay up to like a, you know, a pitch shot. And uh, where I wanted to go is right over Tiger with a wooden hand. So of course I, I, you know, we like yell at them, nothing happens. And uh, I just hit, and of course I yank it left, actually had a good punch shot out of the trees and almost made par, but uh, made a bogey on one. And then from there, the fun part was I made six pars in the next eight holes and you know, they're doing the best ball format. And I literally was like carrying the team. It was uh, great. I was like piping drives. I hit a great four iron into two when it was cold Hit an- another really good four iron into nine, which two and nine are definitely two of the harder holes in the course. And you know, I was feeling great. Joey was giving reads tiger actually. So my best pictures are uh, with tiger giving me reads on putts. He-, he helped me on putts for like four of the first five or six holes, which is great. Are you sure that was good? Because I, I saw a tiger putted the four days afterwards. So yeah, maybe maybe the reads didn't didn't help me as much, but no, he was great. I mean, they're most of them were like you know they're tricky putts out there, and he used up uh, all his good ones, dude. He he did use up. He didn't putt well when we were together, but he hit the ball really really well, and he obviously started great. But uh, yeah, uh, just to finalize all the stuff, it was it was super fun. Turned poorly, even got one of the luckiest shots I've ever had. I played rib a couple times. On 12, I get the ball to bounce off the tree. My only par on the back, I get, I get just the luckiest bounce off the tree onto the green. Great. Yeah, then it just snowballed from there. And, you know, I've played a lot of golf. Um, this summer I got solid again, but I've had the, the shank demon for a while. And uh, for, unfortunately, it happened on 16, which that was hilarious. That video, I can laugh about it now. That was just all time. So it was, it was super funny. And, uh, yeah, I feel a lot better now about the whole experience than uh, – when I was just finishing, because it was obviously frustrating to, to play poorly at the end. But you're so right. Uh, it's all about the experience and almost got on to Augusta with Dr. Rice. Think if I would have just played a little bit better on, on the back. She was wearing a nice Augusta vest. And Steve, my caddy, is, uh, played tennis at Notre Dame. And she was actually out here at uh, DU, which is where Steve's wife is uh, the tennis coach. So a lot of commonalities with Dr. Rice, which was really fun. That's awesome. I, I can't believe you didn't work the Augusta invite. I, I, I tried. I, I, I was there. I was I, starting to inch towards it and then just the, the wheels fell off a little bit, but I should have, I should have pushed a little bit harder and it was a great group. Tiger was so nice. And I really like Joey. I thought he was uh, Joey's a awesome dude and he loves, you know, all the action. So it was fun to, to hear him talk about it. And just the whole event itself, I thought was a plus and, uh, yeah, in terms of the event, I, I watched all of Sunday. We had some big sweats in DFS, right? Some big sweats in DFS. And I uh, was happy to see Adam Scott win, was uh, rooting for Varner with a bias. But what did you think of the overall tournament? All right, so a few things. First of all, I, I I thought Mr. Chung was going to be a solid investor in the Action Network by the time you guys were done with 18 holes. Uh, and by the way, that could, could play a little bit. Uh, secondly, for those who want to go on social media and like make fun and say, Oh, Peter had a bad shot here that go sit, go to pro-am. And by the way, you've not played in these things before. where like, you're supposed to work your way up in the pro-am. You play with like a guy that just jumped into the pro-am. Then you play with like, okay, a guy who's a little bit better. Then you play with a guy and you work your way up to tiger. You don't start with tiger and then go from there. So uh, it's a really difficult proposition. And the other part of that is, I have absolutely no idea. And I've walked a thousand pro-ams in my life and talked to players and not really paid attention to what was going on in the rest of the group because I don't care. But I cared 
on Wednesday last week and I was paying attention, I have no idea how you guys were scoring this thing because there were balls being hit everywhere. I mean, there was just, it's just kind of do your thing, get the ball up there. Don't get in tiger's way. And everyone try to make a par. And, and yeah, I, I don't know yeah. how you no, guys no. actually came up with a final score for this entire thing, but Tiger, said, the the tiger, yeah. tiger said that he's never won a pro-am before. I call BS on that because I, I think that he plays in the programs at six 30 in the morning and leaves and just doesn't know that if his team won or not. But that said, I can see tiger playing in a program group that never wins because there's just way too much going on. I mean, if oh. this is not a normal round of golf, there's no way to prepare for, Oh, I'm playing with tiger and Condoleezza and Mr. Chung from Genesis. And like, yeah, it's just a normal, like there's, there's 900 people out there walking with you guys. You had, you had a guy, you had a fan out there. Uh, Heckler. You, you said you didn't know this guy was yelling, come on, Peter, let's go, Peter. Like every time you like step Peter the ball, ball beater, <laughs> I, I have no idea what that guy was doing, but that guy oh, was really into you. I, I, I just, uh, kudos to everything you did and you were able to keep it together out there. Okay. So you hit some bad shots. Who cares? No one's going to remember that. Yeah, no, it was fun. And Tiger definitely, he thought that was our, a lot of our interaction was about the heckler. He thought that was hilarious. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was cool. It was fun to, to hear him talk. We did get to talk about the predictions and uh, he was interested to see where we had him and I like our model and stuff. So it was great. Him, man. Did you tell him you had him way down there in the not model? Not way down, not way down. I didn't tell him I had him way down. I, I said, you you're right have. there with, you're right there with Brooks. You know, I had him eighth overall. So, I mean, it was fun, and I and, I, and I did say that he's he, and he he agreed with this. I said you and Brooks actually are the hardest guys to predict because it, Brooks with the major angle, but with you it's harder to predict just because your your health and how often you're playing. Um, and I thought he was going to play really well coming into this week. A lot of good signs, and he did really strike the ball well. I know he ended up having a really bad weekend, but uh, he just has never been able to putt at Riviera, which makes so much sense. I mean, those greens are ridiculous. I had him to win last week just on a lark, just thinking, hey. Lots of cool narratives going back to L.A. and He's never done it. He's motivated and he's inspired and the Kobe narrative. And I just and he finished DFL of all those that made the cut. I, I I'm willing to take full blame for that. I, I don't think that was Tiger. I think that was me. Wow. Maybe you're just Tiger. falling on the sword for everyone. Yeah, it's, it's what, it's what a good guy you are. Yeah, you're. Your back nine was on me. Tiger's full four rounds were on me. I'm just I'm He's, eating everybody's failures uh, and, and just taking them on myself. What a gentleman you are. Uh, I think I rubbed up on Tiger. He started off white hot and then finished about as bad as you can. So very <laughs> similar to me. Um, he, he was great and the whole experience was awesome. Thanks to the Tiger Woods Foundation. And for all of you out there, it's definitely, uh, you know, obviously you know, playing with Tiger is a ridiculous experience, but just getting out to those pro-ams, if you ever do, I think it's uh, definitely worthwhile and just a, a really, really cool experience, especially being at these courses. And uh, I think the Genesis Invitational is going to be a big thing going forward. I mean, it was incredible to see the field that they drew. And, you know, so many of the golfers were talking about as one of their favorite, if not their favorite course on tour. So uh, I was really pleased and it's going to be fun to watch this event going forward and uh, go, you know, the one thing I do take away, I mean, Adam Scott, his ball striking's back. And uh, obviously he's always been a really good ball striker, but it seems like that elite level ball striking is there. And uh, he's certainly interesting. What do you think about him at the Masters and going forward? 
Yeah, I'm starting to think about him at the Masters a little bit, and I think a lot of other people are as well. There's definitely a connection, a correlation between Riviera and Augusta National, and a lot of that comes from the two lefties. A lot of that comes from Phil Mickelson and Bubba Watson, who have combined for five victories in the last, what, 12, 15 years at Riviera and five victories at Augusta National. So um, there's definitely a correlation there. I, I, I can certainly see Adam Scott playing really good golf at the masters this year. And, and traditionally the guys we see at Augusta national playing well, are the guys that have at some point played well over the first three months of the season leading into the second week of April. And so uh, Adam Scott is, is a guy that's uh, firmly placed himself in the radar at least if nothing else. And so, yeah, I, I think Adam will play well. And I loved everything about last week. It's one of the greatest courses on the PGA tour. The weather was fantastic. The field was great. The leaderboard on Sunday at times looked like everyone wanted to win this golf tournament. At times looked like nobody wanted to win this golf tournament. Adam Scott sort of outlasted everybody. Um, other than the traffic, I had a fantastic week. They, they got to do something about that. One word for you, uh, Genesis Invitational folks, Jetpacks. Uh, once we get the Jetpacks going, that's going to be a destination spot for everybody on the PGA tour, because uh, if you can get around everybody, uh, you'll be fine. It's just the traffic, man. The traffic, oh, the traffic is beyond devastating. Uh, it took me two hours to get from Riviera country club to Burbank airport one time. And you were heading into it. I mean, it is LA. The weather's amazing. There's a lot of enticing aspects, but the traffic is like one of the top things that tilts me. CBS struggled a little bit on the weekend. They did. Um, Peter, when a guy more golfers, like especially when the field is that tight packed, like we were getting nothing at the end and show some other players. I get it. Look, I I always go back to before I got married, a a good friend of mine said, gave me some advice and said, do you plan on speaking with everybody who comes to your wedding? I said, yeah, of course. It's the least I could do. Of course I'll go talk to everyone. Well, how long are you going to talk to them? I said, I don't know, like five minutes, you know, go speak to everyone for five minutes. That's, you know, they're coming to my wedding. They're giving me a gift and my wife. Of course I'll do that. They said, okay, well, how many guests are coming? I said, uh, 180. Uh, you know, it's not a huge wedding. And, and my friend said, okay, do the math. And if you do the math, it's like, well, you better have a like 15 hour wedding because you, you can't actually do that. And so I always try to give the benefit of the doubt to whether it's CBS or any other broadcast uh, network because it's really hard to get all of those guys in. When you have a tight packed leaderboard like that, you're not going to see every shot. That said, when a guy who's co-leading the tournament steps onto the tee at one of the most iconic holes on the entire PGA Tour and cold tops a three-wood 129 yards, probably need to see that, CBS. I, I hate criticizing other media outlets because it either A, looks like sour grapes, or B, looks like, hey, we could have done it better. Look, we're at the Action Network. We don't do that. I, I, I've worked for a couple other places that, are in that business and it would have sounded like, Hey, we would have done it better than you. And it sounds like, you know, just, it it doesn't feel right when you're doing it for those places. Look, we're not in the business of broadcasting PGA tour events. So I can say right now, man, CBS, you got to show that stuff. Uh, That's a huge swing and a miss. And maybe 20 years ago, that worked 20 years ago. People aren't on Twitter. They're on social media. They're not looking at shot tracker. They don't understand what's going on as much as they do these days. These days, everyone knows exactly what happens the second it happens, and they want to see it. And when you don't show it to them, it looks like, A, 
you're just missing the boat and you're not paying attention or B you're trying to protect the players and not showing a guy who's in the lead hit a really bad golf shot. Either one of those, they, a, a bad option to have. Yeah. That was the undoing of Varner who I needed desperately. Uh, 10 played ridiculously tough on Sunday with that back, right pin. They just couldn't hold the green with how firm and fast they were. Uh, and that was the undoing of Varner who then bogeyed 11, which was, one of the easiest holes and definitely a spot where you can make birdie when the back was playing extraordinarily tough. It was a really interesting tournament. I think you can look to Scott and I'm, I'm a big believer in Rory is by far the best player in the world. And Mm -hmm. with that, I mean, Rory is basically in that five to six to one range this week. I think, I think you got to figure out a way to get Rory in your DFS lineups. Uh, He's my, my top play. I mean, it's easy to say that, but yeah, I really, really love some Rory, and I think I, Rory to me right now is like approaching some of the the most elite golf that we've ever seen. I mean, obviously there's Tiger in the 2000s, but Rory is like just a top five, top ten machine every single time he tees it up, and the betting markets are starting to give him a lot of respect. So, what are your thoughts on the WGC Mexico Championship? Are you as high on Rory as I am, and uh, who else are you liking for this tournament? I am. So I, I picked in my column this week, I, I picked Rory McIlroy to win this golf tournament. Now, I, I think what people have to realize, which is really hard to explain in a column, but you can explain it better on a podcast, is that picking a guy to win and betting on a guy to win are two completely different things. I, I, I picked Rory McIlroy. He's the favorite this week. I really like him at five to one in a 72 man field. I'm not really sure I can get behind Rory. I'm just not. I'm not sure I have the capital to make that investment where I say, okay, look at five to one. I'm going to do really well on this. If Rory wins, I, I'm not that sold on him, but I'm very sold on him. And Peter, uh, I've got a couple of really good reasons. First of all, I, I, I know what he did on Sunday, playing in the final group, going into Sunday, looking really good. And then winds up shooting, I believe it was a 74 and finishes a share of fifth place. And I know a lot of people say, uh, I'm off Rory after that. Last year, Peter, Rory won four tournaments worldwide. In each of those four events, he had some modicum of failure the week before. Anywhere from a third-place finish to a miscut. And I say the week before, not the start before, because all four of those wins last year that Rory had came on the second week of a back-to-back stretch. In fact, eight of Rory's last 10 wins worldwide were the second of two weeks that he was playing. You talk about getting momentum. You talk about getting your bearings. You talk about kind of like working your way into playing good golf. There is a specific pattern and a trend for Rory McIlroy right now. And what we see is that the first of those weeks, yeah, he can contend. He can contend any week. I mean, the guy's that good. But it's the second week. If he plays two weeks in a row, the second week, more often than not, he plays really, really well. And I he played well on really Sunday. Well, on Sunday too. I mean, I know he shot a bad score. He had an awful triple bogey where he just got too aggressive with a pin and was in a really bad spot where both Adam Scott made double, he made triple. So they both had chips come back to them, and then Roy three putted. But after that, he proceeded to miss like four or five, like ten footers or shorter within like a six or seven hole stretch. I mean, the guy is just piping the ball and putting it close to pins all day long. It just he couldn't putt on Sunday, and yeah, I, I love hearing all that data. I think uh, it's a really, really good spot for Rory, but he's obviously the favorite. 
Um, so what else do you like? I think there's some interesting spots and it's obviously a tough week in DFS, no cut, and we had a smaller field. So I always feel like I have a little bit of an edge coming off a week where I covered the tournament. So didn't talk to Xander Shoffley at all, but Xander, we, we all know he plays better in smaller field events. And that's what we have this week. 72 players, uh, three of his four wins have come in shortened fields. And, uh, I expect Xander who hit the ball very well, didn't putt great, but hit the ball well on the weekend. I expect Xander to be up there. I did speak with Bryson DeChambeau after his final round. And Bryson's got the irons dialed in, and more specifically, he's got the wedges and the putter dialed in right now. He's really confident with where he's going. I think we are on the verge. And maybe maybe we've hit that verge, whatever that verge is, uh, because he did finish in the top five this past week. But we're on the verge of Bryson DeChambeau playing like next-level golf. I, I really think he's going to, at some point in the very, very near future, just take over and play really, really well. And, and I think it could start this week. We've seen big hitters, big names in the past. Dustin Johnson has won this event twice since it's moved to Mexico in those three years. Phil Mickelson, the other win. Uh, big hitters, big names. Uh, and, and I think that continues. Rory, Xander, Bryson. Those are the guys on my list. Uh, I've seen a lot of Tommy Fleetwood out there. I don't disagree with that. I've seen a lot of Paul Casey. I've seen a lot of Matt Fitzpatrick. I do like him this week. So uh, those are some of the names. But I think you're going to have to dig deeper, especially if you're making DFS lineups. Um, there are a handful of guys just sort of off the radar screen a little bit who I think can help and uh, differentiate your lineups a little bit this week. Well, you took two guys I wanted to talk about. Uh, staying at our hotel uh, in L.A. was Bryson DeChambeau's parents. Very, very nice. Uh, and I agree with you on Bryson. I know he's getting a lot of praise and criticism. Uh, the bulking up is a polarizing topic. Pace of play, obviously, people are on him. But uh, I love what he's doing in social media. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's trying to be authentic, which he is who he is. And I know some people would argue that that's not what he's doing, but – I truly believe uh, he loves to nerd out about golf, and I love that he's showing that. And um, I, you know, I, I was heavy on him last week. I ended up uh, really liking DeChambeau, and I think he's a really, really strong play this week. Uh, his strokes gain approach is starting to look very strong, as you pointed out with the iron and wedge game. And if he can putt well, I mean, he is uh, extremely long and, and just a really talented player, and he's steamed in the market so far. So I like the Bryson call quite a bit. Uh, Xander has had the most line movement as we record this year on Tuesday night of any golfer in the field, uh, started off as like the ninth favorite in the field. Now he's all the way up to a number four, uh, wow. ahead of Webb Simpson. He's, wow. you know, 16, 17 to one range and really steamed in matchups. So I think that's a really, really sharp call. You know, I hate to bang the same drum. I'm probably going to short Jordan speed. He's still losing strokes off the tee and we'll see if that ever can come around. I hope it does for the masters. I'm rooting for Jordan, but uh, still going to be shorting him. So there's a couple matchups out there if you want to go down that that route. And then uh, one other guy that I think is worth mentioning that I think might go a little under-owned and uh, has also seen some positive movement in the markets is Louis Oosthuizen. I think this is a good course for mm. Louis. Um, yeah. And I could see him playing well. Obviously, he wants to gear up for the Masters, but uh, I think this is a pretty good spot for him. What are your thoughts on, on Louis? Louis is one of those guys that I never play. Like I, I could go back over my DFS lineups over the last five years and probably count on one hand the amount of times that I've played Louis Ustase. And then it's not because I don't like the guy. It's not because I don't trust the guy. It's just, I, I don't know. It's just there are very few events where I say, 
this is Louis's week. I love Louis this week. It just kind of, I either like him or don't like him and never love him. So I, I just, I can see it though this week. I, I'm kind of on board with it this week. I think Peter, if you're looking at guys, like we said, Rory, you're looking at Bryson, you're looking at Xander. Okay. Well, those are three very expensive players. Then you have to start looking at the other side of things. Um, and, and I start looking at guys like Christian is Uh It's, it's a tough one to say it's terrible for broad per, for a podcast, but, uh, the guy won last week on a co-sanctioned Sunshine Tour Challenge Tour event. Uh, this guy's really good. Uh, Victor Perez is actually more expensive in DFS than I thought he was going to be. I thought he could slide in there. He was T4 in his first WGC event in China late last year. I thought he could slide in there and be a cheap option. He's really not that cheap, but I like Victor Perez, the Frenchman, to play really well. And if you go... Further down the list, I don't know why. Matt Wallace has not played great golf this year. And, and again, another sort of off the PGA Tour path kind of guy. But Matt Wallace has not played great, but he's shown in the past that he can turn things on at the flip of a switch. And Matt Wallace, especially on FanDuel more than DraftKings, he is unbelievably cheap this week. And if you can get a lineup where you say, hey, look, I just got to fill it with some bottom of the lineup type guy who's really cheap at the bottom end, Matt Wallace is much better than some of the players who are listed above them this week. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, you know, someone that we don't see as much on the PGA Tour, but it's done extremely well on the European Tour. I think that's a, a really sharp call. Let's make a lineup for the WGC. I think there's a couple options. We could try to go with a balanced lineup, which I, I don't hate, or we could try to jam in Rory. You take the first pick, and we'll kind of go from there. Oh, boy. There's two players from Mexico. One is Abraham Answer, and I am all in on Abe Answer. I think he's a really good player. I, I, I'm kind of iffy on him this week. He hasn't played great there the last two years. Carlos Ortiz is getting yes. a chance to play there. Yes. Now, here, here's my thing. It's a no-cut event, Peter. What's going to happen at these no-cut events is that you get into the weekend and half the field is going to say, I don't have a chance. And either just – it doesn't mean they're going to give up. I'm in 43rd place after two rounds – I'm not going all out to finish in 31st place. It, it just doesn't happen that way. That said, Carlos Ortiz in his native country, his home country, is not going to give up at all. He's not going to say, hey, well, I'm, I am what I am. And it's fine. I didn't play that great. This, this guy who's going to grind for four straight rounds at 6,600 on DraftKings, and he's been playing better at 25th and 26th in his last two starts. I'm all in on Carlos Ortiz. I love that call. He's one of my, I was going to mention him. Uh, I think he is a great player, someone I've been playing quite a lot lately and uh, has some really big talent. I think he's capable yeah. of uh, competing. He makes a lot of birdies. So I love the Ortiz pick. I'll keep some optionality for us uh, going forward. And I, I mentioned it before. I think my favorite bet, and I won't, I won't actually take him, but I like Sungjae over Speed that has steamed a lot. I was going to go him. I'm going to go with DeChambeau. I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback uh, what you said. Uh, I love what I've seen out of DeChambeau last week. And I like what the market's telling me uh, in terms of his line movement and you having the the positive take on DeChambeau, put him over the edge and his parents are really nice. So yeah. Throwing in DeChambeau. Yeah. I spent some time with DeChambeau speaking with him for a project I'm working on. It'll be out in a couple of weeks. Um, after the final round, we 
sat and talked for about 10, 15 minutes. He, he's great. He gets a bad rap. Uh, I know a lot of people out there don't like Bryson. Spending time with Bryson, speaking with Bryson, getting to kind of pick his brain a little bit. I, I really enjoy it every time I get a chance to talk to him. He's, uh, he's very That's insightful. And, and he's a nice guy. I mean, this is not a guy who's sort of a jerk and says, okay, yeah, I'll do it if I have to. It, he is very, very good with his time with the media. So I, I like talking to him. I, I'm going to keep it low. I, I'm going to give you the uh, big studs this week. And I'm going to go with the, uh, the lower rank guys. All right. I mentioned his name earlier. And, and I know a lot of people don't know his name. And I guess even fewer people can spell his name. Christian Bezweidenheit. This guy's really good. I'm telling you, he's been playing great on the European tour. One last week. I'm not sure how many guys go straight from a challenge tour event to a WGC event. I'm sure it's happened before, but it doesn't happen that often. The Zweidenheit at 6,900, I feel like is a steal. The guy's playing really well right now. I like it. I think that's a a very strong pick, uh, and it definitely leads us to a more stars and scrubs build. So, yeah, screw it. I'm going Rory. I I think he's just (laughs) at the very, very top. Uh, We talked about it before, but I even like – I was looking for some Rory's futures. If you can find him at 10 to 1 or better in the Masters, I think that's a good bet too. Uh, And obviously tying up money for futures stinks. And I almost never advocate for taking uh, the top guy. But, man, Rory is just off the charts. I mean, he is hands down the top player tee to green. And he's a great scrambler still. And if he puts it even above average, I just think he's going to be right there every single week. I was doing everything I could to leave you enough money to force you to pick Rory just because I wanted him in the lineup. So I'm glad you did that. We've got two picks left. We've got 16,000 salary remaining, 8,000 per player. And I've got a guy right in the middle at 8,000, and it's not Jordan Speed. It's Matt Fitzpatrick. I, I think Matt Fitzpatrick is uh, primed for a really good week. He played Pebble two weeks ago. He's okay. Played Riviera better. I think Mexico is going to suit his game just – a little bit better than the last two weeks have, and I like Matt Fitzpatrick in this one. Okay. All right, so that leaves me with 8,000. I'm not going to go with Spieth. I do do hope he gets it going soon. I'll go Sungjae, who ended up missing the cut, which I thought was surprising. You know, I had a, a pretty poor, I mean, shot 69.75. So just a brutal end of the day, which a lot that happened to a lot of golfers uh, in the second round. Um, but I like Sungjae every single week. Uh, watched him warm up uh, and putt. He made like six 10-footers in a row, and I was just like, man, these guys are good. I think Sungjae, I mean, he's as consistent as any of the guys out there on tour right now. Actually, Joey mentioned that, how impressed he was with Sungjae, just a great ball striker and someone I think, you know, we've talked up a ton on this podcast, and anytime I can get him below 8,000, uh, I feel really good about that lineup. So yeah. what are your thoughts? I mean, we got we got Rory and DeChambeau, and then we got uh, – a little mix of, uh, you know, some mid-tier and some cheap guys. I think it's I, a good spot. I think that's kind of what you have to do this week is go after a few guys who might not be highly owned, but try to differentiate yourself from what everybody else is doing. We left 100 bucks on the table, which um, I'd almost recommend leaving a little bit more out there uh, in a small field. Well, with, you want uh, to leave a little bit guys. more. Should I take Sungjae out? You think that's the move? No, I th- I'm okay with it. I like Sungjae this week. Coming off a miscut, I think he's going to be think, lower I, I, owned than he would have been. How about the, the Tyrell Hatton angle? That's someone I didn't mention that I think is a, a pretty interesting play at 7,400. I feel like he's going to be very highly owned based on the fact that he's played really well here the last yeah. two years, and I just don't like him that much. Okay, that's that's more than fair. We'll leave Sungjae in there. Before we get out of here, let's just talk quickly Puerto Rico. We can build a lineup. You want to make a lineup? Let's yeah, make let's a Puerto make, Rico lineup. Come let's on. make a Puerto Rico lineup and uh, any little tidbits that you have for the people on Puerto Rico. 
any players that you're targeting and betting or do you have any thoughts uh, about this tournament? I've actually bet about five guys on this one already. I've bet one guy for Mexico. I've bet five guys for Puerto Rico already. So that tells you where I'm looking right now. And okay. at the top of my list, and I spoke with him after his round on Sunday, he finished in the sheriff's second place at Riviera. Scott Brown has yeah. a great record at Puerto Rico. One in 2013 has a, a few other top 10 finishes. This guy, and, and I said, like, I kind of looked at him and, and we we're talking about how he played at Riviera. And I looked at him, I said, forgive me if I'm getting this wrong, but like you have a really good record in Puerto Rico, right? He kind of nods his head and smiles a little bit. He said, yeah, I, I play well there. And I said, so you excited about this coming week? He said, oh yeah, I can't wait to get out there. It's my kind of tournament. So uh, Scott Brown this week at 9,400, I'm, I'm in on him betting. I'm in on him DFS, whatever you can do to get Scott Brown the lineup. He's going to be popular, but I, I don't care. I, I think you have to have. Okay, I like that call. I'm going to go with someone who I think is very safe in this uh, format uh, or in this tournament. The guys have been consistent on the PGA Tour. He's made his last three cuts, actually, um, at some you know tough fields relatively. Uh, and, of course, I have to, to take him because he went to CSU. Martin Laird uh, at 8,800 I think is a very, very strong value. He's a big favorite in his matchups. And, uh, you know, he's a guy who's grinded on the, the PGA Tour. And I feel like, uh, you know, looking through some of his – Better tournaments and better finishes. Uh, when he's up against some weaker competition, he can really thrive. So Martin Laird, Scott Brown, I think we got a, a really good start there, although now we have to look for a little bit more value. We have to look for some value. I'm going to give a shout-out to uh, our own Josh Perry, who has been all over this Puerto Rico Open uh, the entire week. And uh, one name that he really likes, and, and I can't find fault with it at all, is Sebastian Kaplan. The mm-hmm. Danish player who uh, has played so well already this season, a sixth place finish at the Amex, 21st at Torrey Pines. He's fallen off a little bit since then. Missed his cut, missed the cut in his last start at Pebble Beach. But this guy is a, a good player and a good player against a uh, average field is uh, sounds like a pretty good proposition to me. So I'm going to take Kaplan there at uh, where is he? 7,200. Yeah, I think that's a pretty sharp call. Uh, I will go right in the mid tier and this is probably the strongest value. If you just look at the betting markets uh, and how he's being respected has really moved. Uh, and it makes sense looking at him. I think uh, Norlander to me, Henrik Norlander is uh, a really strong play. I uh, didn't miss the cut at the farmer's insurance, but uh, he made a couple cuts before that played well at the Sony open played well at the RSM classic and uh, at 8,500 he's priced kind of near the very top. Uh, in these markets, and I think he's a, a really strong play. I'm going to admit I was not going Henrik Norlander there okay. whatsoever. So all right, I, I'm, minus I'm all 152 on versus Peter Uline, which I think is uh, a pretty pretty good indicator that he's. Uh, I, man, I know it, Uline has been up and down, but for instance, Uline's 8300 on DraftKings. Kaplan is, or I'm sorry, Norlander's only 8500. So pretty nice value in that regard. At some point, we're going to figure out Peter Uline. I, I thought he was destined to be a star four years ago and it still hasn't happened and, and i'm not sure why um but I, I believe he's still playing titles equipment that's what i can say about peter uline so uh we've got just about the same that we had left with uh two players in the mexico lineup uh we've got sixteen thousand one hundred left we had sixteen thousand before so uh with just over eight thousand per player i've got, got 7800 who i've been high on the entire year uh this guy i I wrote about him at the beginning of the year in my column called The Leap because he was 
one of the only players in the top 20 in the all-around ranking who wasn't an absolute superstar already, and that's Sam Ryder. Yep. And I love the fact that Sam Ryder does everything well. Hasn't played great so far this year, but uh, he's been okay. Sort of back and forth, off and on, uh, at 29th at the Amex, 28th at the Sony, a 55th in Phoenix. Uh, nothing great. He's not knocking down records. He's not, you know. Uh, contending for titles, but I do think that at some point he's going to start playing better golf, and I would expect him to be pretty low-owned for Puerto Rico uh, DFS lineups this week. So I'm leaving you with 8,300 left for the last pick, Peter. Well, we could honor our good friend, Drew Stoltz, a.k.a. the Sleaze, uh, and take the rat. He has missed three his last three cuts. Eesh. I don't like that. I'll go with Bryce Garnett, who I think is pretty solid. He's a uh, a pretty good favorite here too. Looking at the matchup, so one, minus one forty-five favorite versus uh, Hagee or is it Hagee or Haggy? Hagee, I believe. Hagee. So that's a, that's an encouraging thing. And you know, looking through a couple models here and different things, he's popping somewhat nicely at this price tag. So I think Garnett uh, kind of finishes out our lineup nicely. He has had a, a lot of cuts recently, which is not encouraging, but was playing well at, at the end of two thousand nineteen. So. I think Bryce Garnett, 7,900 is not a bad play, and we leave 400 on the table. Scott Brown, Martin Laird, Kaplan, Norlander, Ryder, and Garnett. I think they're a pretty, pretty solid grouping there, uh, especially when you consider the field at the Puerto Rico Open. My man, big ticket, Garnett. Uh, I, I covered a U.S. Open qualifier about 10 years ago where Bryce Garnett was the first guy through, the medalist, and I started calling him big ticket as we were waiting for everybody else to come through and he's uh he's as nice a guy as there is out there i always try to break down the pga tour players like half the guys out there will say hi to you just walking past before you even see him and the other half will wait for you to say hi to them and then they'll say hi bryce garnett i saw at the northern trust last year and he literally like pulled me aside we're walking you know we're walking down a cart path in opposite directions and he's like hey jason what's going on i said hey what's up bryce and like he stopped and we sat there and had a conversation for 10 minutes. I mean, he's like above and beyond nice guy. I, that said, if I were you, I might have gone Chase Seifert at that point instead of Garnett, but I like the Garnett pick because I was looking at um, Seifert. He's he, he, that's leaving a lot of money on the table, but he certainly has much better current form right now. Yeah, I, I like Seifert as well, but Garnett is a guy that I love rooting for as nice a guy as there is out there. Whenever they put together those nice guy lists, they usually take it like the nicest 20 guys at the top 25 in the world. And it's like, well, what about everybody else? And so no one wants to hear that Bryce Garnett is a really nice guy. No one wants to hear that Robert Streb is a really nice guy. Brendan Steele, who's a friend of the pod, really nice guy. They want to hear about Rory. They want to hear about Tiger. They want to hear about Phil. They want to hear about big names. But, oh, by the way, sometimes the nice guys aren't necessarily the best players and the guys that are at the top of the world rank. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm happy we have a nice guy. And it's a, you know, this is a big event. Hopefully, uh, it's a great story for someone out there. Fun week of golf, and then we're really going to start getting into it. We get the Florida Swing. Uh, we got Arnold Palmer's event. We got the Honda. We got the players coming up. So great time in golf. Make sure to check out all our content at the Action Network. Read Jason's work. He's doing an amazing job. Make fun of me on Twitter. And, of <laughs> course, make sure to download and listen from Spotify. Uh, they're doing amazing things with podcasts. You can find our podcast there now as well. Good luck to everyone out there sweating the WGC and the Puerto Rico Open. We'll catch you guys next week.